Aptus Leadership Podcast 106. Delight in your love. Delight in your love. I should have played a little Barry White music to start out our episode today because we are going to spend some time in the book of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon's. Ladies' choice on what you want to call it. Now, you might ask the question, why in the world would I do our leadership podcast, our our, our, our talk, our staff meeting, our deacon training on Song of Solomon's? Well, the answer is very simple because one of the qualifications of leadership within a church is to manage your home well. First Timothy chapter number three, verse four and five says this, speaking of an elder, a leader in the church, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? This passage is pretty black and white. You cannot manage the church if you cannot manage your own household. If you cannot manage your household, what makes us think that we are qualified to manage God's household? Now, I don't take this verse to mean that the standard is perfection, but the track record of our effort and our leadership within our families better be pretty high. We are qualified to lead the church when we lead our homes well, and that fact should cue us in on one of the strategies of the enemy. If the Apostle Paul feels it necessary to tell this to Timothy, then we need to understand that he had a reason for telling that to Timothy, and the reason is the enemy will try to come after our marriages and our families. What's Really a sad state of affairs when you start looking through the scriptures. Just a cursory glance of the people in the Bible. Look how many of their ministries was derailed for a season because of the failure within their families. Adam failed to lead Eve. We lost the garden. Noah got drunk and naked in front of his kids. Abraham denied Sarah twice and was almost violated by other men. Lot committed incest with his daughters. Jacob had two wives. God almost killed Moses for failing to circumcise his sons. Joshua's generation failed to tell their kids what God had done for them. Eli's sons were having sex with women inside the tabernacle. Samuel's boys were not restrained. And David had an affair with Bathsheba and then had a son who raped his own sister. Okay, so we see a pattern forming here. This is not looking good when you are in ministry because the enemy is going to try to attack the family. And I believe the enemy tries to attack the family because the family is the first institution uh, uh, that God designed. And really, if you look at the scripture, the family is the foundation of the church. So if God can destroy the family of the leadership then he can also destroy the foundation of the church. If the enemy can destroy your household, then he can also start to destroy J First Assembly. If you have spent any time in church, you have witnessed this over and over again. You, all of us have probably witnessed a moral failure within the leadership of a church that we were a part of, or we've witnessed the divorce of a church leader that negatively affected the church that we were a part of. We have to figure this out, and we have to maintain and watch and guard over our own homes because the enemy is coming. Our home is the front line to the attack of the enemy. Think about that just for a second. It's not going to be your job. It's not even going to be in the church. It's going to be in our homes. So in that vein, we are going to spend the next several weeks looking at the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, learning how to strengthen our families. I'm sure you're all familiar with the Song of Songs, the book in the Old Testament. It is a poem most likely written by Solomon towards his wife. Now, funny enough, in this poem, the woman, the wife, does 54% of the speaking, and the man only does 34%, and the other 20%, you know, the other 16% or whatever it is, is 
done by, uh, you know, friends and acquaintances and such like that. So the woman does a majority of the speaking. So that tells us that not much has changed since Solomon's day. Therefore, we know that everything we're about to read is relevant. Now, in our opening verse, we're actually going to start in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. The woman is actually speaking, and here's what she has to say. Song Solomon's chapter 1, verse 2. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Now, this is really insightful, and this is really powerful. You'll notice the phrase that she starts out with. She says that your love is more delightful than wine. And that's very, very interesting what she's saying. She's, she's saying that she is delighted in Solomon. It wasn't just that she loved him. It wasn't just that she thought he was good looking. It wasn't just that he was a good kisser, according to this verse. It was that she delighted in Solomon. And I think this raises a very interesting question for us. Do we delight in our spouses? I'm not asking you if you love your spouse. I'm not asking you if you like them. I'm not asking if you're willing to serve them. I'm asking you, do you delight in your spouse? Now, I want you to think about something that you delight in, something that just gives you the fizz, something that gives you the warm fuzzies when you use it or you see it or you hold it and you just delight in it. I'm a, I'm a dude. There's a lot of things that I delight in. My, my pocket knife, Bench Bay 940, designed by a guy by the last name of Osborne. Just love that knife. My carry gun, Glock 48, love that thing. My Bible, my leather portfolio. Man, I, those are things that just bring me the fizz. I, I delight in having those things. When I, when I use them, when I touch they just make me happy. I just get joy by having those things in my life. It's not, it's not just items I own. There's, there's experiences that I have that just I delight in. You know, For example, I delight in putting in a fresh pair of socks. I mean, tell me something that's more delightful than putting on a clean, fresh pair of socks. There is nothing. You know, I, I'm a few days from my 36th birthday, and I thought I've experienced a lot of delightful things. Well, I, I experienced something very delightful the other day. We keep our house very cold during the winter months because I like to burn the fireplace. Well, the other day the fireplace was not, uh, was not on. We didn't, we didn't have a fire or the blower on. And so charity put a blanket in the dryer for me. And I don't know if I've ever experienced this in 36 years, a warm blanket out of the dryer is one of the most delightful things that you can experience. I mean, I'm a 36 year old man with a wife, with kids, a bad back and a mortgage payment. And yet this blanket just brought delight to me. I mean, I got the warm fuzzies over it. So you can see when you start thinking about things that you delight in, that there's a difference between love and delight. Like I don't love my pocket knife and I don't love that blanket. I delight in those things. And there's a difference between love and delight. You know, I have this theory that the foundation of every marriage should be Christ honoring love, but the foundation of a happy marriage is going to be when we also learn how to delight in our spouse. We need both. We, we need to love our spouses, but we also need to delight in them. And I want to zone into that, that second part, delight. Because if we want to have happy marriages, then we have to start to learn the difference between delighting in our spouse and just loving our spouse. Every one of us understand that the command of the scripture is that we are to love our spouse. We should have a deep, affectionate love for our spouse. Love is an action. It, it mimics the nature of God. Love is the action of Christ towards us. Love is the foundation of any healthy relationship. Loving one's spouse as Christ loved the church is, is a command. It's not an option for a Christian believer. But here's the thing, though. I can love someone and not delight in them. Here's my definition of delight. 
Delight is the intentional, emotional disposition towards something or someone else. It is our intentional, meaning it's deliberate. It's not accidental. I'm fostering this. It's our intentional, emotional disposition. It's meaning, how do I actually feel about this person when I'm in their presence, when I look at them, when I think about them? What is my disposition to them? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? You know, is, is, is it joy? Is it happiness? Is it delight? We, what is our emotional disposition when we look at our spouse? It needs to be delight, in my humble opinion. Now, some of you would just ask, isn't, isn't this puppy love, Austin? You know, when we were kids, Cupid probably shot every single one of us in the rear end. We were struck with puppy love. For me, that puppy love was felt when I was in first grade. And you know what was interesting about that puppy love? It was completely random. It was unintentional. And it was irrational. I mean, it was random. It was just a random girl in first grade. It was unintentional. I didn't mean to. And it was irrational. I'm in first grade. I don't even understand what romantic love is. And you know what happened? It didn't last. Delight is an emotional disposition towards my spouse but it is not random. It is a rational and intentional disposition towards my spouse, meaning the emotional state, how I feel about them is logical because it's cultivated. You see, love is the action that Christ has showed me. And then I reflect that action towards my spouse. But delight is the emotional state in which love is going to operate and make the marriage vibrant. I'm not saying that love is not important. However, what I am saying is if I want a vibrant marriage, then I have to learn how to turn that love into delight. Let me show you some differences between love and delight. Love means that I'm going to be committed to my spouse for the rest of my life. But delightfulness in my spouse means that I am going to long for their presence. You see, when I love someone, I will honor my vows to them even if I don't want to be around them. I'm going to honor the vows that I made because I'm a man of honor or, you know, if you're a female, I'm a woman of honor and therefore I'm going to respond to my spouse appropriately. But when I delight in my spouse, then I'm going to long to be in their presence. I enjoy their company. I want to have experiences with them. Second comparison here is that love means that I will remain in fidelity towards my spouse, but delightfulness means that it's go I'm going to be consumed in my intentions and I'm not going to have any sort of distractions by others. You see, I can love my spouse, be tempted to sin against my spouse, but choose to remain faithful because I love my spouse. It's an action, and that's very noble. That's great. However, when I delight in my spouse, my, attract, my attention is consumed by my spouse, and I won't even get distracted by someone else. In short, a homewrecker won't even be able to get a foothold into my life. Let me show you another comparison. Love is when I honor my responsibilities towards my spouse, but delightfulness in my spouse brings joy and happiness. Love means I have responsibilities to treat my spouse the way that Christ treated me, and therefore I'm going to honor those responsibilities even when I don't feel like it. Again, that's good. That's noble. That's honorable. We need to have that. However, delighting in my spouse is going to bring joy and happiness to the marriage because I have the emotions of love attached to my actions of love. Now, I'm sure that there's a lot more comparisons that we could be made, but, but you get the idea here. The opposite of delight is contempt. I love you, but I'm embarrassed by you. I love you, but I'm irritated when I'm in your presence. I love you, but I think I know more than you. And, and contempt is the death sentence 
to any sort of happy marriage in the least. And most likely contempt is the death sentence in your marriage. So we want to delight in our spouses. And I, I have this theory, couples who delight in their spouses have bulletproof marriages. So the question then is this, how do I start to foster delight in my marriage? How do I, how do I make this a reality for my marriage? Well, here's some ideas I want to share with you. Some things I want you to think about when it comes to your own marriage. Delight is fostered when I am intrigued by my, my, let me say that again. Delight is fostered when I am intrigued by my spouse. Delight is fostered when I am intrigued by my spouse. As a species, we enjoy things that are intriguing and interesting to us. Some of you love to watch documentaries. Some of you love to read. Some of you like to take, you know, motors apart and see how they work. It, whatever it is, things that are intriguing and interesting to us, we enjoy engaging with those different things. So when you start to ask questions of your spouse to understand them better, then you're going to start to raise the level of intrigue in your life towards your spouse. And when you're intrigued by something, you then you become obsessive with it and a good thing. You know, guys have a tendency to get obsessive about things. We want a new rifle and buddy, we will read every article and we will become experts on rifles because we're intrigued by it. And then we're going to go make a purchase. Well, we need to take that same level of interest towards our spouse. The problem for a lot of marriages is that routine is suffocating intrigue. We need to bring back some wonder into our marriages. We need to bring back some wonder that will ultimately lead to delight. Here's a marriage hack for you. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a deck of cards that you can get on Amazon called Conversation Starters. And I know this sounds a little bit cheesy, but Charity and I bought a, a, a deck of these years ago. And man, we had some of the best dates because it asked in, interesting and intriguing questions that led to conversations between us. And it was really great. And, and here's the deal. I'll make a deal with you guys listening to this podcast. The first person that texts me, get me the cards, I'll buy you a deck of cards and I'll send them to you. Okay? Give you, give you another thing here. Delight is fostered when I behold their beauty. You will notice that when I talked about the things I delight in a moment ago, I was either referencing their form or their function. So I, I love my pocket knife because it has a beautiful form and a beautiful function. You know, I love my carry gun because it just has a beautiful function. I mean, it just fits my hand perfect and I can shoot it really well. Uh, I love my Bible because it has a beautiful form to it. I mean, it, it, it's just gorgeous when you look at this, right? We, 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 need to, we need to behold the beauty in our spouse the same way. Here's what I want you to understand. God, with the ultimate power of creativity, has formed your spouse physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He did a good job on your spouse. Your spouse is a masterpiece of our Heavenly Father. And he created this spouse, and he brought you two together. And you need to behold your spouse's beauty. You need to behold the beauty in their form and in their function, right? What I'm seeing as I get older is that there's a level of complexity and depth within who God created charity to be that makes it easier every single day to delight in her. And that's growing as we get older. Every single year, I'm starting to see new depth and complex complexities in who God designed charity to be. There's talents there that I didn't know that were there. There's wisdom that I was unaware that she had. There's ideas that spark intrigue in my mind. And God has put that in my life. And every year I'm starting to see more and more of that. And I hope that continues on till the day that I go to heaven because, because it's a sight to behold. And, and I delight in that. The, the, the third, third thing I want to show you is this, is that delight is fostered in intimacy. What's interesting here about this passage in Song of Songs is that Solomon's wife loves his kisses. And studies show that passionate kisses is, is, is a healthy staple within a healthy marriage. It's actually one of the first acts to go 
when a marriage starts getting on the rocks is that couples stop kissing passionately. We're going to talk in depth in an upcoming episode about intimacy as a tool that God has given marriages to foster delight. But I just want you to think about that. If I, if I want to foster some delight, you know, along with, you know, beholding their beauty, uh, along with, you know, raising my level of intrigue uh, for who they are, I also need to foster an intimacy. The fourth thing I want to show you is this is delight is fostered when I am delightful. Notice that the man in our passage here, he tasted good and he smelled good. In other words, he brushed his teeth and he bathed. In short, Solomon made himself pleasant and delightful to be around. And if we want to delight in our spouses, then we need to learn how to be delightful to be around. When we're delightful to be around, it will help our spouses to be more delightful to be around. There's a circular effect here. We, we all rise and fall together. So we need to make sure that we are mentally, physically, and spiritually delightful to be around. Make yourself intriguing to be around. Engage with your spouse in the evening. Spend some time with them. Foster some conversation. You know, plan a date night. You know, these are things that when we do these, it raises the level of intrigue. It raises the level of engagement. It raises the level of beauty and function and form and all these things that we've talked about when we make ourselves more delightful to be around. So I want to wrap it up with this. We do not want... We don't want to just coast through our marriages. We don't want to just uphold our vows. We don't want to just have a standard of love alone. We want the testimony of our marriages to be that we delighted in our spouse. So here's my challenge for you. Husbands and wives, I want you to go and I want you to start to plan an evening, right? A date night, a time that you're going to foster some delight with your spouse. You know, maybe it's a date night where you go out and you go catch a movie or, you know, you even put a movie on once the kids go to bed or you get a deck of conversation starters, you go miniature golfing, whatever it may be, we need to start fostering some delight in our marriages. So here's your challenge. Husbands, pick something that would be delightful for your wife to do with you. Wives, pick something that would be delightful that you know your husband would want to do with you. So each of you plan a date in the next two months. Okay, Every single one of us can make this happen. No matter what our budget is, no matter what our time is, we can find two evenings in the next 60 days. And let's start to foster some delight within our homes and our marriages. I hope you enjoyed this. We're going to be talking about Song of Songs for the next probably three to four weeks. Anyways, uh, I hope this was a benefit to you. God bless you. We'll catch you next week.